Hi, I'm Justin Hayat, and this is 36. The Lamed Vav Siddiquim is a tale built on the idea that out there in the universe, somewhere in the far corners of the world, there are 36 anonymous, really good people who hide in the shadows but step forward when we need them most. In 2020, somehow, I managed to get on a plane to Israel to find out more about these secret souls and hear their stories. This is my journey to find wonder and goodness in our once magical world. She never wanted the spotlight. She just wanted to be a mother. And she still is. But her nightmare began on August 1st, 2014. And since then, she's had no choice. Hadar Golden was 23 years old when he was killed and kidnapped in Gaza by Hamas terrorists during a UN-mandated ceasefire. Hadar's body is still being held by Hamas. Hadar's mother, Dr. Leah Golden, has been fighting since that tragic day in August 2014 to bring Hadar home, back to Israel, back to his family, so that he can be buried properly in Israel. I entered Leah's home after a 30-minute drive from Tel Aviv. She's casual. We've met before, though I doubt she remembers. She offers me a lot of water and some baked goods. She's a Jewish mother. And we jump into conversation naturally. She explains that her husband, a professor, is away with students on a trip that retraces the steps of Hanasenish. She tells us about her life and career before Hadar was killed, before they were jolted into a very public life with public activism and public trips and public speeches. And then she motions to the equipment and says, let's get started. This is my conversation with Dr. Leah Golden. So we are sitting here in the home of Leah Golden, mother of Hadar Golden. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. For those who don't know, if you could talk, tell a little about who you are. And also tell us about your son. I'm an engineer. Most of my life I spent in the defense industry. I'm married to Simcha Goldin. He's a professor of history in Tel Aviv University, heading the Diaspora Research Center. Uh, we have four kids, Ayelet, Menachem, Chemi, and the twin boys, Adar and Tzur. All my um, family members are officers at the IDF. Uh, my husband is a high officer. And uh, Ayelet is an officer in Chemi and Adarvetsu, all of them, except me. I'm the chief of staff in <laughs> the Golden family. <laughs> I did a national service at Yom Kippur War. It just happened to be at the same time. And I was uh, actually serving in the Rambam Hospital in uh, Haifa, which was a major hospital for uh, wounded soldiers. And uh, everything was normal. Until seven years ago, on 2014, Operation Protective Edge, to that war, two of my boys, Hadar and Sur, as young officers, entered to Gaza. Sur was commanding a rescue force, going back and forth to Gaza, rescuing wounded and dead soldiers. A lot of his were his friends. And he actually rescued like 40 or 50 Palestinians that were caught in fire because the Hamas was using them as uh, human shields. 
At that time, Hadar, Hadar that was a part of an elite unit, Givati, their uh, responsibility was to guard the engineering force that had to destroy the underground terror tunnel. And on August 1st, two hours after ceasefire was declared, Hamas took advantage, knowing that the idea of protocol is not to shoot, ambushed Hadar's unit, killed three of them, and abducted Hadar into the underground tunnel where they keep him until today, as probably as a bargaining chip to release terrorists. Tzur actually got the call to rescue his brother. Of course, he didn't know that. By the time he got there, of course, they sent him back to the border. And since then, we, I would quote Tzur. He says, while I was doing the most humanitarian thing to rescue Palestinians, the same people actually killed violated a humanitarian ceasefire and killed and kidnapped my brother. After a while, we went to the States, very frustrated because it was a ceasefire. And then the first time we came, someone told us, and, and we learned that Hadar is actually a victim of a ceasefire rather than a victim of a war. UN-mandated ceasefire. And since this ceasefire was brokered by the United States and the United Nations, the United States at that time was John Kerry and Obama, the president, and the United Nations, Ban Ki-moon, supported by the EU, and the Egyptians as mediators, they should be responsible for his return. I mean, same as they were, they guaranteed the ceasefire. During the Obama administration, we tried to approach them. There was no, we didn't get any, any response. We did try to get to the UN, same, sending letters, getting very upsetting uh, responses from Ban Ki-moon that when there will be peace in the Middle East, everything will be fine. So this is where we started as a family, looking for solutions. Because here in Israel, after the Gilad Shalit release of more than a thousand terrorists, everyone is stuck. No more Gilad Shalit, but what is the op- other option to bring our boys home? And then the American administration changed and it was President Trump. And we were lucky with our friends in the States to meet Nikki Haley. At that time, she was an ambassador at the UN. And we met her. Then we learned that her husband is an officer. And she said, this is unacceptable. This is unacceptable. And again, the idea was to see how the United States can take responsibility to help, to help bring Adar home. Adar. And I have to mention there is another soldier, Oron Shaul. So they have two soldiers that the IDF declared that there is no chance that they are alive. And it is the first time in Israel during wartime that there is evidence that the soldiers were kidnapped because they found their shirts and tzitzit and declared that them as uh, dead which is problematic because it's now we understand it's like establishing an assumption, work assumption that no hurry, no hurry, you know, that if they were alive, but this is wrong because the evidence is that they were kidnapped and the decision about the death is only forensic evidence, which is a matter of probability. Now, this was 2016. Immediately, I will talk about that. We had a, an art exhibition of, of Hadar. At the UN, I remember the UN. it. And then we were lucky to meet uh, Professor Erwin Kotler, previous justice minister in Canada and well-known human rights activist. 
And he met us and said, look, this is a standing violation of the international humanitarian law. So a year later, on December 22nd, 2017, we had a special security council where... At the I, UN, the UN Security Council. Can, can. And uh, I came, of course, gave my evidence. And Professor Egbert Kotler actually did a legal framing of, of the humanitarian case and cause of Adar Goldin, which was based on the international humanitarian law. The fact, the thing of, of capturing helpless people is a violation. Of course, violating ceasefire <laughs> and then capturing helpless people, preventing us, the family, from giving them decent burial according to all religion and human rights, uh, human dignity, all of the, it's a list of like seven or eight points showing that this is a, a standing violation of the international humanitarian law. So then at that point, it became a legal issue, not just a family cry. Now, according to international humanitarian law, when you provide humanitarian support, you should check that the one that gets the support comply with the principles with the humanitarian law. So you cannot provide humanitarian aid to, to people that violate the law. Right. So all of this is, was not very well implemented. Now, amazingly, on June 2019, one and a half year later, we wake up one morning to learn that there was a resolution, UN resolution, uh, Security Council resolution 2474, that states that wherever there is a conflict in the world, armed conflict, when agreements are initiated after the armed conflict, the UN state members that initiate these agreements, they are responsible to return the missing person and the dead as a confidence-building measure to any agreement. And nothing happened. And just to, to remember, this, this was a time when America initiated the, the peace plan and all the, all the agreements in our a regions. A lot of moving pieces. A lot. And it's, it's happening. The, the Abraham, uh, uh, how do you Accords. call it? Accords. Yeah. yeah. Is, is part of it. So it, we actually found an open people to listen and say, yeah, you are right. And we met Nikki Ailey. She, she said, this is your chance now. But nothing happened. And... Now, after the, this recent war, Shomer Chomot, we are at the same, at very same situation like we have been on August when Adar was kidnapped, killed and kidnapped. Because now people are sitting in Cairo. The Americans are headed by President Biden. I push, actually, they pushed this ceasefire. And now they are initiate, they're initiating agreements. And we are trying hard to put a return of Adar as a request on, on the agenda, as a confidence-building measure to return Hadar. Yeah. And it's still not there. I mean, un until it's not done, it's not done, and, and we fight for it. Every day? Every day. And well, night. Where do you find the hope? Where do I find the hope? I know I will succeed. You know, the first time we came to the UN, we had a press conference organized by JCRC, you know, in front of the UN. And there were people from New York Council, you know, giving the pitch. And there was a priest, I think. I don't know. I'm, I hope I'm not uh, confusing, you know. And he came to me, big guy. He said, you will succeed. I said, <laughs> you know why? Because there is right and there is wrong. And you are right. You know, and these wordings are with me. Every day. Every day. Every day. And 
adding to that, this is what Hadar said. And we learned it from, from his soldiers, that he was their commander. He had this uh, slogan. He said, in life you have two options, to deal with yourself or to do great things. And in Hebrew, he said it in a slang. Very nice. How Very simple. יש לך בחיים שתי אפשרויות, להתעסק עם עצמך או לעשות דברים גדולים. And this is my role, you know, to part of the tikkun, you know. I, 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 I never understood, I, I, I never paid attention to the word tikkun, you know. And now I feel that wherever we touch in this process and this path to bring other home, there is something to, to correct, to fix. There is no other alternative other to bring him home. I mean, this is the only choice I have. And so overnight, you, became, you went from being just a mother to a mother superstar activist. How did you harness the strength within yourself to put aside the overwhelming grief for a moment to fight? You know, I don't feel like a superstar. No. You know, I'm, I'm a mother. And uh, another sentence that my kids reminded me, we were married very young when we were 21. So I was still a student when my, my two kids were, were born and my mother helped me a lot. So they stayed a lot with them and my, my, reminded me that my mother used to say, you have no option to give up. You, you cannot, I mean, as a Holocaust survivor, there is no, no way you cannot give up. So it's not a strength. It's knowing that this is my son. This is my responsibility. This is my obligation. The, the confusing thing is that it's my, my obligation as a mother, but I didn't send my son to Gaza. No one asked me. No one asked me how and where to send him. Because in Israel, we have the IDF is the people's army. It's mandatory to join the army. Everyone does. And, you know, we have this slogan in, in, when we recruit our kids to the army that every mother, every Jewish mother would know that she can count on the officers that will take care of their kids. And in Hebrew, they say, Teda Ivriya, Shifkida et Banea, Bidemifakdim Reuim, eligible commanders. I keep saying it's, it's seven years. Now it's, it's, it's evident that something is wrong. If an American just kind of heard the general summary of the story, they would maybe question the importance of the body. And I think it's, there's something really unique about the body as it relates to that this is the state of the Jewish people and that we are Jews, and that the body needs to be buried in Eretz Israel. No, no, I hate, and I, I, I'm, I'm getting very nervous using the word body. This is part of the manipulation that was done in our case. What do you mean body? I'm talking about your body or about you being a person. You don't talk about bodies. Dehumanizes it. This is your dehumanization. Exactly. And whoever is using the word body, I blame him for dehumanization. Because in Hebrew, we have a word. Also, it's, it's Jewish. If a person dies, you refer to him as a halal. Halal. You go to the uh, cemetery of Halalei Tzal. You have Yom HaZikaron, Memorial Day for Halalei Tzal. You don't go to the bodies of this. You never use it in any, any context. Right. And we learned 
after two years that someone is doing it on purpose in order to establish this work assumption, you don't have to bring him back. And I have to say, recently I had an interview, a very important channel in Israel, and they did it on purpose. They, they, I was on air listening to the... Uh, I'm the so person. sorry. <laughs> no, not you. It's not you. No, no, I didn't. I, in, yeah. No, I want the people to hear that. Yeah. Because they don't pay attention. I was, before me was another interview of a high rank officer, reserve officer, Amidror. He's very famous because he's consulting and that. And I keep saying he's not, not, ulo ami velo dror. You know how, what he was saying when the, the person asked him, what about the soldiers? Say, no, their bodies don't even think about it. He said this. Yes, and he repeated, he repeated, don't think about it. And it took us like two years. I mean, whenever I was, I heard this word, I was, you know, but I, I didn't understand. And then when there was a, the Knesset, you know, this meeting when I blew up, you know, my son, insisted, I didn't plan to go there, my son that lives in Jerusalem, he said, mom, you have to go. Because whenever there is a discussion of the tunnels, and Adar was kidnapped in the, to the terror tunnel, you need tunnel, to be there. You should be there. And there was a whole discussion of presenting how many soldiers were dead. Nothing was said about two soldiers held captured by the Hamas. And the question my son prepared to me, he said, mom, this is your question. You should ask, how come? that an excellent officer became a depth, depth of a body. How did this change happen? Being a, a, an excellent officer and then discussing him as a body. And then we start thinking about it and said, this is wrong. This is actually wrong. We should never treat people like bodies, live, wounded or dead. And what my husband actually said, and now he's quoted, but a lot of people, if you leave the the dead behind, that you leave the wounded, and eventually you leave the living people. And this is a matter of attitude, you know? Yeah. Wow. I had I never thought of it this I way. I think that the Jewish people should pay attention to it. And all of any 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 religion, if we respect people and if we respect human dignity, we should never refer to anyone live or wounded or dead as a body because you don't do it on a daily life. Okay, let me tell you about Adar. Yeah. That's it. What was he like? The smile. His yeah. smile is not just from the outside, it's from the inside. I mean, whatever happened, he will, was looking for the funniest thing and made us laugh. Even when we've been fighting or quarreling, you know, see the good in everything, you know? This is was his way of looking at things. Now he was, I mean, first of all, he was um, an artist to his drawings, recent drawings. All our kids were drawing. Your home is filled with the art of your Everything children. Everything is homemade. Everything is wow. homemade. But these are two, two recent, the last one, and he did a lot of comics. He had this way to, to describe his point of view in drawings. After a year, we uh, set up an art exhibition in Enhod. They actually came in, they heard their, their nice uh, drawings. So it was a family project to set up the, this um, art exhibition in Enhod with main gallery. And then when we went to New York, at that time was Ido Aroni was still the consulate, New York consulate. He said, why don't you present it in the, the UN? So then 
Danny Danone came in and I asked, and he said, let me check. And uh, on 2016, we ended up having the Hadar's exhibition at the main, the main uh, corridor, you know, Great leading to Vienna Coffee. Yeah, the key, uh, the central place that every amazing, world leader amazing. would work past. And uh, the name was The Final Peace, The Final Peace, which is so meaningful, you know, by all means. And I asked the, my friend, the curator, how did you come? I did, how did you think about this uh, name? She said, what do you mean? Hadar wrote it. Said, so this is the funny thing. We spent twice in England, in Cambridge, uh, a year as a sabbatical leave of, of Simcha, being a, an academic. And first time, Hadar and Sur were five years old. And the second time was after their bar mitzvah. So we convinced them to take subjects that they will not learn in Israel. Because here they studied scientific subjects. So they choose art and design, media studies, history. And in art and design, they did very nice project. They had different subjects. They had a sketchbook where they wrote and described and painted their thoughts. Each term, they had a final piece, you know. That's how the English, English people call the last project, you know, the finishing project. And Hadar still had... Um, Spelling mistakes. <laughs> so he wrote. So that's why I decide to do this thing on music project as the final piece. And he wrote piece, you know. Wow. It's like poetic in a way. I'm looking at his, the picture of him and I just have this image of him painting and just in happiness and peace. I can show you. I have uh, photos. Wow. Half a year before I, uh, he was killed, he came in. That's how he was uh, doing it. Uh, he came in on Friday after a couple of weeks that he did. Usually I insist of having his clothes, yeah, you know, before Shabbat, uh, <laughs> washing them. And then he would spread all the colors on, on, on the floor. And he was also an intellectual. He was writing. A lot, a lot. Before the army, Hadar and Sur went to the pre-army academy in uh, Eli, B'nai David. They spent two years. Wow. And he just fell in love in Mesilat Yesharim. It's a book of rights, how to be a, a better person. It's, it was written like 150 years ago. And he wrote his own perception about what's written there. And on one side, and the other side, he wrote to himself, what should I do in order to improve myself? And it took three years that Simcha was working on it, and we published it. Now it's, it's a bestseller. A lot of youngsters are studying it. I, I remember the pictures when I was at the UN, but I was in my first week. So, oh. <laughs> But it brought such light and pride for, the I think, the Jewish people to have that. It was such a unique way to tell a story and to grab people in. And that, amongst many other things, may it uh, lead to success in this eternal like mission that you're on now. Yeah. So now, after the, the recent war, having another reflection of our case on August 2014, we struggle and we try hard to get to the Americans and say, you have a moral duty to us. You actually... Uh, Led, initiated this ceasefire that eventually it was violated and where my son is still in the, the, the hands of terror. 
So now it's your credibility. You cannot go and, 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 and broker another ceasefire because it's your credibility. How can we count on you? So first, bring home the boys, which is the wording of the 2474. I mean, it's the law. Yeah. This is an American. Only America can do it because they showed how they did it in North Korea. They are doing now with the Iranian, where they take the clock backward, you know, with the Iranian agreement, and they request the release of the hostages. They are taking the clock backward with respect to UNRWA money. It's the same terror, but this should be on the agenda. If the, if the Gaza people want to show that they are not terrorists and the money doesn't, they don't violate the international humanitarian law, return our soldiers, return Adar and Doron. So this is... Our claim, this is our statement. And we actually aim, first of all, to the heart of the people and then to the mind, because this is the most humanitarian act that will flip the equation, as, as Tzur, twin brother of Adar, said after a year. Actually, terror wins. They kidnap our, our soldiers and demand the release of terror, and they create humanitarian crisis, and the whole world is running to help them. Yeah. But now the new equation would say you cannot hold the stick on one side. You cannot violate the, the law and by the same law request that the whole world will support you. Now you have to clean up this, rectify this injustice in order to be eligible for the support of, of the humanitarian support. Is well, it so complicated? Not really. So why people keep saying that I'm too complicated? Because they don't want to move anywhere. Because other interests, uh, interests are in, in place. It's tough. God willing, the mission accomplished soon in our days. Because you just look at the smile. The smile says all of the case. One last question we have is, you know, what's a word? It may be something you've already said, but what's a verse or a line or a motto or that uh, keeps you going? You have two options in life to deal with yourself or to do great things. This is what Adar said. And this is the most practical thing for me, to wake up in the morning, to sit in the car, and to start my da daily journey and night journey. And I keep saying that bringing Adar home is the short-range objective. On the long run, there, I learned that, that there are a lot of things that I have to take all my expertise, you know, and my experience, to fix them, to fix them. And they are all called humanitarian and human rights issues, you know? Because being an engineer, I was not so aware about what does it mean. I was highly involved in, in technology, the most updated technology. But technology cannot help without being humans, you know? And yeah. the technology will not replace us. We have to learn to be human, to stand up to our values, and then technology will help us to improve our lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for your time, and we wish you only but good luck and good things in the days ahead. Thank you. It's impossible to meet Leah and not think of one's own loved ones. What would we do for them and they for us? 
How many hundreds of nights would we spend sleepless for the people we love? Would they fly tens of thousands of miles and advocate for us? Would they carry the burden and blessing and hurt and joy of our memory to paint our story? And I thought of Hadar's art. I thought of him painting, dozing off into his dreams and thinking about the people he loves. Isn't that what we do when we indulge in our favorite activities? Painting, running, cooking. Our minds wander and our bodies, our intuition take over. That's a joy and a calmness I don't think Leia Golden will ever have again. I don't think she'll ever lose herself in complete joy and peace. How could she? And that makes me hurt. For her, for her family, for Hadar's friends. But I don't think Leia has time to feel sorry for herself. She's focused, restless, and inching closer to creating the right pressure to ensure her son is returned to her. There are few forces stronger than politics and stronger than war. A mother's love, a Jewish mother's love. I think she'll prevail. I know she will. I don't think she has any other choice. Thanks for joining me on 36. This podcast is hosted by me, Justin Hayat. Our managing producer is Sarah Shemla. Our executive producer is Attila Samfalvi. And our editor is Robert Scarmuccia. This is a production of Soul Shop and sponsored by B'nai Zayn. Please rate and review this podcast in your podcast app of choice and share it with your friends, your butcher, and your shadchan. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again soon. <laughs>